What's wrong? No, I just read this thing about this patent troll guy, and it really got me angry. I can understand that. Yeah, because it's not just the podcasting. I mean, if you like read this guy's po- this guy's patent, it's like so vague that it covers pretty much everything. So you, like, you know what? You know what? If if he tries to take us to court, I would actually fight him, and I would not need a lawyer. All I would do is say, "Your Honor, let me demonstrate this patent." I'll pick up an audio cassette from one desk and move it to 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 the bench and say, "That's his patent." It, yeah, but it it also it pretty much covers like anything. It could be like web comics so it's like a double whammy for us it's like yeah god fuck you that's that's see i i could never be a lawyer because i would just like i would just i couldn't i couldn't deal with it i would just stick my finger in his face and say fuck you (laughs) you know you sit down with a with a with a microphone and a and an mp3 recorder and suddenly someone's like i own that it's like god damn you're a fucking asshole it's just that you know the whole the whole webcomic thing for me it was like it was like I've always wanted to do like a comic and you know I finally find this avenue for doing it and some guy has a some guy makes a patent where it's basically putting anything on an RSS feed is 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 violating some something he wrote down on a piece of paper that's super vague I know and <laughs> And his business model was shit anyways. He says, oh, I always meant to do this. It's like, yeah, you say that now. Yeah. So, yeah, that's... Patent trolls have always made me mad, but this just this just takes the cake. Yeah, it does. It really does. How's everything else going? Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> lots of engagement from our listeners on the latest episode. More than I'd expect. Yeah. Because this was almost like a gag episode, anyways. Mm-hmm. But not quite, because we did touch some serious topics. And one guy's like, "Seriously, you guys liked Time Squad?" Yeah, I don't, I don't understand his his position on that. It's like, did, okay, it wasn't like a joke a minute, but you know, it was it was funny, mostly because of uh, Mark Hamill. Hamill, yeah. It's like the 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 big muscle guy. He wasn't very funny. No, he wasn't. But, uh, but like I said, I remember Mark Campbell was interviewed about it, and uh, it was just funny. And it wasn't just Mark Campbell; it was like how that character was animated. They made him super prissy. I know. The way he he they they animated him limp-wristed. Yes. Literally. Man, Time Squad was so good. <clears throat> and you know, like I said, it's just really funny because you actually you can actually if you look at. Cartoon Network, you actually see when the network was, or look at cartoons in the late '90s, you could def- definitely see the whole, the whole mindset of let's let's look at focus groups and figure something out. Like there was a period in the late '90s when they were pushing really hard luchador shows, yeah, for kids, because I don't know how they like like they're reading tea, tea leaves or something, and it's like or a horoscope is like luchadors are gonna be gonna be in. I mean, how wrong were they? I think they they looked into like a, a sample audience and they they came away with the totally wrong conclusion. It's like I don't know, maybe maybe they discovered that like Mexican wrestling had had sort of like a an underground following and and so they they came away with this idea that uh, that oh luchadors is is going to be a big thing, whereas you know, it's maybe it's just the wrestling that people like because those Mexican wrestlers are pretty crazy. The Webcast Beacon Network has been covering and promoting creativity and the creative process since 2007, starting with the Web Comic Beacon, a topical web comics podcast with a jovial bunch of misfits like your local morning radio show. Also, the Web Comic Beacon Newscast recaps, reviews, and discussions of community and industry news relative to comic creators, especially of digital distribution. Also, the Tropecast, the ever tangential discussion of literary and visual memes. And finally, Web Fiction World, before web comics or independent and self published web release written fiction and literature. Find this all at webcastbeacon.com. Be sure to grab a master RSS feed or master iTunes feed and not miss a thing. Hello. Hello. Tommy, Mr. Q. No, I ignored it. Oh. He was doing Harpo. Really? I thought you were a Stooges fan? No. <laughs> mm.
Okay, okay, okay. Uh, let's see here. So, so uh, let's see. Neil. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you don't have the answer so ominously. Okay. Uh, did, so, are people still chomping at the bit of, at Anita, or are they pretty much like, yeah, she's a she's she's a she's a crank, leave her alone kind of thing now? I think they know she's a crank, but I don't think they're gonna leave her alone just yet. I just think that. The hysteria is kind of calmed down because it's like, yeah, she's pretty much an idiot. Who, what, when, where, why, and how? Uh, Anita Sarkeesian, who does the video series Tropes versus Women in Video Games, where she creates a whole bunch of hysteria over nothing, really. Well, there's a lot of shows like that. Yeah, it's like Mario rescues a woman and this is demeaning to women because something <laughs> well remember what happened last time peach was a star well that's that's not the point it's that she's <laughs> she's cherry picking when uh she's complaining about a whole bunch of stuff that isn't really true i mean and in fact people have like picked apart her last video showing where she's blatantly lied well lots of people lie on videos now neil yeah, like the nine eleven bitch. Oh yeah, I told Neil about that. What'd you think when you found that, Neil? I was like, wow, why would you even do that? Kind of sick, right? Yeah. Hey, what? Um, th- there's this woman who claimed that she was on one of the two towers, like actually on one of the floors that got hit by the second plane, and and escaped, and that uh, and that her husband was on the other tower and died. And it turns out, no, she was actually in Barcelona the whole time when that happened. And she and never she even... wasn't married? Yeah. Don't like that. I mean, hopefully they arrested her at least for fraud. She didn't take any money. Yeah. She committed no actual... Crime. Uh, yeah, so they okay, didn't do let, anything. Let me rephrase that. I hope somebody shot her for being an idiot. <laughs> She's in New York, so only the criminals have guns. You know, she's somewhere in Europe, and her last her last job she got fired at because uh, they found out who she was, and they're like, "Oh, you're that person. We don't we want to actually have customers, so you're fired." Yes. I was watching a documentary about it, and Neil's like, what, "What's this?" I said, "Look it up. I can't explain it because it's it's actually quite sick." It is. <laughs> um, before we get started, I'm going to link y'all to a site that I found. Okay. Oh, Fonzie in outer space. I forgot about that. Oh, forced no, myself to forget. Fonzie in time traveling. Oh, that's right. They, uh, there was a it was yeah. Josie and the Pussycats in outer space. It was Fonzie and the Happy Days gang traveling through time. It was Mork and Mindy. I mean, good lord, number of shows that they had. There's Gilligan's Planet. Yeah. There was a, uh, there was a Dukes of Hazard cartoon, and I'm not sure why. Most of these is that I don't know why. Oh my god, Mr. T. <laughs> Everyone remembers Mr. T. Yeah, but we try not to remember his cartoon. Yeah, the Partridge Family 2200 AD, where they flew around in a multicolored Jetsons mobile. Thundar the Barbarian. Hey, now don't diss that one. I know, Jack uh, Kirby. Jack Kirby did the designs, I know. But I mean. Tennessee Tuxedo, where yep. Chumley got his there name. Go. There we go. <sighs> Tennessee Tuxedo. Don Starring? Is. Yes, yes. Missed oh. it by that much. <laughs> well, uh, that that was pretty common back then. Like, uh, uh, Wonder, or no, it was Underdog was uh, Wally Cox. Yep. And who right. was Wally Cox's best friend? Oh. I don't know. Believe it or not, Wally Cox, I mean, the ultimate nebbish, his best friend was Marlon Brando. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Well, we ready for Saturday morning, the death of Saturday morning? Yeah. All right. Let's start this with a eulogy. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we're gathered here today to honor our fallen dead. Of all the days in the week that I watch cartoons, Saturday was the most convenient. That's a real stretch for a a reference. I, I don't know about convenient, but it, it's been a tradition for a long, long time. Okay, let me do the let me do the intro. It's, uh, I... <laughs> you know, Saturday morning cartoons really didn't die. It just 
like everything else, once you once you have cartoons in every time slot, then it just becomes not not at all special. Yeah, I mean uh, the well, I mean I've got something about when I consider the actual beginning of the end of Saturday morning cartoons. But we'll get to that. Okay. Well. Uh... Hello and welcome again to another episode of Animation Aficionados. Uh, this show is Ben, joined by my co-host, TV Mr. Neil. I'll do the thinning around here. And also joining us is Thomas Revore. From 910 Comics, it's 910cmx.com. And tonight we are covering the death of Saturday morning. And well, mostly dead. Which is a little bit alive. But uh, enough with the Princess Bride references. <laughs> uh I was a kid of the 90s, you know, the late 80s, 90s. Uh, so what I remember of Saturday morning was it was always you wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and 6 o'clock was where they showed some of the more esoteric stuff before, you know, the, the, the networks took over. They they still show cartoons, but it was, like I said, it was, like, really odd choices. Some, some like, early, early 90s, it was some anime stuff that we've never seen before, sometimes Voltron, sometimes... Uh, some stuff that they really should have been sh- should not have been showing in s- <laughs> to kids <laughs> that early in the morning. I mean, I remember some stuff that was like some of the some of the weirder sci-fi anime from the seventies. Yeah. And uh, and then seven o'clock came in, and uh, the the four big networks, one two, yeah yeah, four big networks uh, showed cartoons until at least eleven o'clock. And wow, then, you you are a child of the '90s. You're calling it yep. four big networks. When I was a kid, there were three, <laughs> and we liked it that way. <laughs> okay. Anyways, <laughs> I remember because it was you could always flip between them because I was always uh, I loved the uh, DC superhero action, so I always watched Batman, Superman, uh, and then I flipped to something else. Probably yeah, ABC. See, I mean, that, that, again, shows child of the 90s because those of us of a greater age remember back with Batman and Superman as either first the filmation set, Superman, Batman, oh God. Superboy, Batgirl, and Robin. And, oh, Lord. Then Hanna-Barbera started doing them, and we got Super Friends. Oh, dear Lord, no. <laughs> the show with the greatest theme song ever and the worst cartoon ever. Oh, dear, dear Lord. But... Th- those are my memories. I remember that it seemed to to me it was a very obvious change because, like I said, you could wake up at like six in the morning and get constant animation from six to eleven, and it felt like the networks kept on encroaching on that little by little. Then it whittled down to ten o'clock, and then it kept on whittling down until soon there was no Saturday morning left. Yeah, and it became a situation of uh, if you look at the progression. I mean, we can look at back at the sixties. Uh, the late 60s, when the Saturday morning really started off. I mean, with uh, Scooby-Doo, I mean, with a lot of the live action. I mean, with Tennessee Tuxedo, with the Archies, uh, where Hanna-Barbera was basically any, almost all of the animation on Saturday mornings was Hanna-Barbera. There were mm-hmm. some from, like, uh, uh, Jay Ward with Rocky and Bullwinkle. Uh, there were some, uh, like the creators from Underdog, who brought us Go-Go Gophers, and, of course, the reruns of the Warner Brothers stuff. I mean, anybody who doesn't remember the theme to Overture, uh, this is it, hasn't seen anything. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. Yes. Even, even I, Jerry Seinfeld knows that song by heart. Yep. And that would be I mean, the and, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner show. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I mean, the man who does anything is Spider-Can, Spider-Man, who back had not long after he began his cartoon, his comic series, uh, made the transition to animation. So, I mean, it was a lot of original animation there. Like I said, primarily from Hanna-Barbera with a lot of Warner Brothers and others mixed in. Uh, as time went on, I mean, other companies got in. We got, uh, of course, the award-winning stuff from Filmation, and I'm not saying that as a joke. Uh, it was award-winning with Bad Albert and the Cosby Kids. We had uh, a couple of people leave Hanna-Barbera and start their own uh, animation studio. I'm sure a lot of people may remember Ruby Spears. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, as time progressed even more, I mean, we had the absolutely magnificent stuff that ABC did with Schoolhouse Rock. Then that, comes the 80s. And it, go ahead. 
80s to me signaled like uh, you know there was all of a sudden the spark the beginning of the action cartoon you had Rankin Bass get in on it Sunbow get in on it and it was like you know the action cartoon was born in the 80s I think well I mean there was yeah absolutely I mean the 70s was very heavy in the 60s mentality uh, I mean of the Dr. Spock era where I mean any sort of violence any sort of negativity was wrong for kids which is why I mean with Superfence, you never saw them throw a freaking punch. They always talked the villains down. And the villains always saw the error of their ways. And that was a lot of what it was. There was no violence. It was uh, They may have had some minor conflict, but there was no violence. Neil, you were saying something? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, uh, Sunbow, I don't recall it having much of a presence on Saturday morning. I don't mean to contradict you, but it was, they were mostly like a weekday afternoon cartoon studio. Some um, markets, yeah. some and, markets I mean, strip show them on the weekends, Neil. That's that's the, the beauty of syndication. That's true. Well, and I will tell you that there is actually two words that summed up what the major change of Saturday morning cartoons in the 80s were. Mm. And that is for all the ragging that it gets. Those two words are He-Man. <laughs> <laughs> He-Man was really uh, the beginning of the toy tie-in even more than they had before it was the major toy tie-in cartoon and the one that was always brought up as an example uh when people were testifying to congress about cartoons on saturday morning even though i mean he-man was never a saturday morning cartoon it was syndication and in the afternoon on uh, the local stations that is true and uh but but to me like i said it's saturday morning was like it's why I wanted to go to bed early on a Friday night when I was a kid. Oh, it was an event. It was like the best party ever. It was it was a marathon of like cartoons on three networks. Four. And no, we're not counting Fox because when I was a kid, Kids WB Neil. That that's even later. But <laughs> when I was a kid, it was you got up at like five in the morning. And you watch from then until noon. And within a week of the new season starting, you had to come up with this with this schedule. I mean, it, 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 what we used to do was just insane. It was like you start the very early morning. You figure out what all the good cartoons are. And then you do what I call the Saturday morning slalom where you just keep shifting back and forth from ABC to CBS to NBC. And if there were two cartoons on at the same time that were both good – you figured out the VCR really fast, and you you scheduled uh, alternate recordings so that you had something to watch after the after the block had ended, because there usually were two cartoons on at the same time that were worth watching, and you could only watch one. That is true, and uh, and you got lots of you got lots of like uh, lots of lots of uh, networks, you know, competing directly against each other, which was which was good for us because the competition was always good. Uh, and Even though it was Hanna Barbera versus Hanna Barbera most of the time. Yeah, that's true. But in my well, era, again, well, I mean, we can, a lot of it was Hanna Barbera. But as I said, I mean, other companies got in there. Um, I mean, Saturday morning used to be a massive event for the three networks: uh, ABC, CBS, and NBC. Um, they would go through and actually the Friday before, or a, a little bit of time before the Saturday morning, they had a huge a, a show dedicated to the. The debut of the new Saturday morning shows and the returning shows. Oh yeah, that is true. I do occasionally remember that. hosted by Dick Clark. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> and uh, and sometimes they they market those blocks. It's uh, I remember uh, towards the end of of, uh, of ABC's Saturday morning cartoon schedule, they actually they actually called it one Saturday morning. And, right. Oh, <laughs> those are the Disney days. <laughs> Don't well, sigh I mean, too much. There was some. Of the, there was some good stuff there, Neil. Well, that's Pepper actually man. to me that was the beginning of the downfall of Saturday Morning. Was because cartoons had been syndicated for a long time. Uh, I mean, He Man, uh, some of the others, as an example. And even though they were big, they were never really dominant. But then came the Disney Afternoon, and you had you had some quality cartoons there for the most part backed by the Disney name and it drew people away to showing that Saturday morning was no longer the big event that it used to be. That That is true, but there were attempts to try to save that. There were some very big attempts. So like I said, w- my big memories is, is 
you know, when Warner Brothers decided to become a network and there was the kids WB block, uh, the uh, uh, Fox was a quasi syndicated coalition that couldn't even really be called a network. They had what the Fox box, something like that. Yep. And yeah. uh, what I remembered was uh, this, you know, around the time when Pokemon was the big thing. Uh, oh. Well, actually, this is this this story has a happy ending. Uh, Fox decided to to get the licensing rights for Digimon. And on the very, very surface of it, it looks like a Pokemon clone. It's like, oh, they're fighting clone with clone. And Digimon was just so much better. <laughs> because it actually has a story. Well, uh, let me go ahead. I mean, because I've gone to this website. I've linked it to YouTube beforehand, before the show, called tvparty.com. And yes. it's got a listing of a lot of the shows from the different eras, starting off with the late 60s to onward and i've got i pulled up uh, as an example uh, 1984 now i talked about he-man being the big uh, mass market producer but listen this is what saturday morning had become in the 80s uh you started off with shirt tales which was based off of a series of greeting cards from hallmark you had the get along gang which is oh. based off the series of toys jim henson's muppet babies which, which wasn't a social thing you had uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which, although the cartoon had its moments, it was still based off of a marketing thing. You had Pole Position, originally semi-quasi based off of the original Pole Position video game, but had nothing to do with it. Um, Saturday Super Cave, <laughs> where you had, yep, where you had cartoons featuring Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr., Hubert, Space Ace. And Kangaroo. Boy, how many people remember that video game? Uh, you had Pryor's Place, which long before uh, Pee Wee Herman, you had Richard Pryor, of all people, doing a Saturday morning show. Oh, dear Lord. Yeah. Uh, you had, uh, of course, the Warner Brothers stuff, Bugs Bunny Roadrunner. You had uh, reruns of Scooby-Doo and some of the uh, Hanna-Barbera stuff. Uh, you had. You had Snorks, you had Smurfs, you had S'mores, you had, I mean, anything that was a clone of the very popular Smurfs at the time came out. Uh, you had, and check the name of this, I mean, Super Friends, the legendary superpowers show. The reason for that name change, even though it had gone through some minor changes, was because they had just released a toy line called the Superpowers line. <laughs> uh, you had Pink Panther, you had Wolf Rock TV hosted by the late, great Wolfman Jack. Uh, I think that, if I seem to remember, it lasted about four episodes. You have Kid Video. Yeah, you had Kid Video. You had Dragon's Lair. Oh, good heavens. Um, just, Mr. T. Mr. T, Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Uh, you had some live action in there with Going Bananas. Uh, oh, God, Bill Saluga. For those of us of the older, older generation, you, know, you can call me Ray or you can call me Jay. I mean, oh, hey, yeah, that was another that lasted. Uh, you had the Incredible Hulk. I mean, you had the granddaddy of all sales pitches, American Bandstand, still going on. Oh, I, mean, I mean, the '80s, I think, contributed to it. And like I said, they were people testifying to Congress, uh, like the former or still, or I don't know what he is, uh, wife of a notable vice president, uh, Tipper Gore, along with her thing about the violence in video games, she was testifying about this stuff, too. Bitch. Every time yeah. she <laughs> about it, 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 she sounds ignorant. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it was wonderful to see Dee Snyder of, uh, of Twisted Sister basically accuse her of having a dirty mind to her husband, Al Gore. <laughs> but... Uh, uh, but uh, this actually reminds me of one thing. It's uh, one of the, the, the Fox syndicated uh, network here yeah. in the DFW area, uh, 27, in the 90s. <laughs> well, what, what always amazed me is that one always dropped out first. You know, if you know all the others ran to 11, they, they were done by, t by 9, 30, 10. Yeah. And, and you know what they played immediately after the Saturday morning cartoons? I should know this. What? Soul Train. 
Well, that's that's to compete with the American Bandstand market. <laughs> the American Bandstand wasn't playing anymore at this point. Yeah, at least in Chicago, we had that running on uh, Sunday morning. I'm not kidding. Like everybody was at church. I'm not kidding. Soul Train think... was right after the cartoons. But oh, it, we, 90s Fox. It really was. It was going from original stuff to clones of the original stuff to marketing of stuff to based off of the marketing of stuff to when we started seeing, like I said, all the originality going away from Saturday morning. Saturday morning was no longer the event. It was just another day with cartoons. And, uh, and part of it is, is especially when, uh, when, you know, Disney got a cartoon only com- channel and, and Nickelodeon got cartoon only channel and cartoon network shows yeah. some cartoons in between live action, hole in the wall shows. Well, they yeah. had, they used to have back in the good old days where they actually had cartoonists doing things, animators doing things, and not the suits. Yes, and uh, part of it is all these cartoon-only networks, you know, with cable and, and the and the uh, and the more readily available cable market really helped contribute to the death of uh, Saturday morning, I think. But I also, I mean, it's funny you should say that because there is one network that actually is reversing the trend where, yeah, they run their cartoons throughout the week, but their new stuff comes out on Saturday morning. Which one's that? Which one? That is The Hub. Oh, yeah. That's true. I mean, with the exception of Transformers Prime, which comes out primetime on Friday night, uh, all their new stuff is debuted on Saturday morning. And they they make a big deal out of it. I think part of it might also be just the the more readily acceptance of animation as a storytelling medium because because Nickelodeon ran Avatar: The Last Airbender new episodes you know Friday nights competing against the big and networks Thursday nights and Wednesday nights and then Monday nights and then Tuesday mornings and then that no it, Remember, they're the ones that hopped uh, the last season of Airbender. All around the channel. I know, but the la- the finale ran a Friday night. I mean, yeah. it, co- it competed against it, it. It beat the big networks. Well, I mean, that's because partially because Airbender was such a quality show, and partially because the big three had crap. <laughs> that that is true, but uh, I, still, I'm just saying that I think part of it might be that animation is, is finally getting a little bit of cred. So. So that's part of because now now cartoons can actually compete. After these messages, we'll be right back. Movie Week in Review is the Geekcast Radio Network's weekly movie podcast. Steve and Mike take a look back on their favorite films and give you their thoughts. They also bring in co-hosts at times. If you are a movie buff, listen to MWire only on geekcastradio.com. Hey, I'm Gary. I'm Mike. I'm Chuck. And I'm Justin. Join the four of us every week on the Internet's number one and longest-running G.I. Joe podcast, What's on Joe Mind? It's Joe News, reviews, and interviews like you've never heard them before, delivered right to your MP3 player. Our guests include Jason Marsden, Kevin Michael Richardson, and Matt Yang King from G.I. Joe Renegades, Larry Hama, Robert Atkins, and John Barber from IDW Publishing, and many more from around the online Joe community. Yeah, it's guys talking about Joe. Think of it as Joe Talk meets Sports Talk. And we make fun of Chuck. Right, and we pay again. Come on, Chuck. We're just kidding, kinda. Sometimes Chuck makes fun of himself. Right, and we... Okay, seriously, this is just getting ridiculous now. It's What's on Joe Mind every week on the GeekCast Radio Network, InsidePulse.com, Stitcher Smart Radio, and iTunes. Download and listen today. I suppose I still can't say something about Transformers, can I? Good No. What about sports? That sounds good. Yeah, that's all right. Tooncast is dedicated to the cartoons we grew up with. 100 episodes and more make up one of the GCRN's most popular podcasts. Join hosts TFG and Mike, Optimus Solo, Terra the Rising Star, and tons of guest hosts. We also have voice actor and writer interviews. Tune in to Tooncast as we look back on the cartoons that defined us as geeks. You can find Tooncast on iTunes and the web at www.geekcastradio.com. Tune in. And now, back to the show. We could talk about cartoons, too. Saturday morning didn't always used to be cartoons. I mean, again, starting back in the 60s, uh, everybody remembers, wait for it, the banana splits. Mm -hmm. I mean, where it was the original uh, 
Good lord, now I can't think of their name. Um, Croft. The Croft brothers. Sid and Marty Croft. Sid and Marty Croft, working for Hanna-Barbera and doing the live-action sequences, and then breaking away and forming their own company, which is where we got H.R. Puppin stuff, Sigmund and the Sea Monsters, I mean, and some other, well, I won't say quality, but they had a lot of live-action stuff going on at the time, which sometimes it was fillers in between cartoons, and sometimes it was their own show, but it was more than that. And then they realized that, you know, we can start doing cartoons cheaper. And it, it comes down to a lot of money. And that, that I, is true, but even even the ABC experimented with the formula to adverse effects in the early 90s. Because I remember when they replaced some couple cartoons when they wanted to do a remake of, I think you guys know this one, hmm. Land of the Lost. Oh, God. You know, after a certain point, ABC doesn't even count for me just because – uh, at one time, it was a network owned by Warner Brothers, and then when they shifted to Disney, that's when it took a catastrophic. No, the, the, no this was before. This was before Disney bought them out. They, they really they redid Land of the Lost. I, that I, remember, I don't remember this, but it was like it, later they, on. They, the, the family was instead of a raft, they got to prehistoric times in a station wagon. Yeah, there was a there was a station wagon and a Jungle Girl. In in a tiger prick bikini. I'm surprised you don't know about this, Neil. Oh, I I remember that. <laughs> but so, I mean, yeah, it, it, the heyday was a long time ago, and uh, I think there were a lot of things we can point to. I mean, we can point to syndication. We can point towards the, all the toy tie-ins and marketing, uh, and we can point towards the cable stations, uh, the all cartoon stations, as causing a dearth of quality on Saturday morning. But I think that if we're going to talk about it, I think we can definitely point fingers directly at the executives at the big three because it no longer became something marketed towards kids. It became schlock that we can push off on kids. Mm -hmm. Is this a good opportunity for us to shit on Jamie Kellner again? (laughs) Was he involved back then? Yes, he's the one who who decided by looking at Nielsen ranks to change Pinky in the Brain to Pinky Elmira in the Brain. See, because you're stuck in show. the 90s still. Because, well, he killed a great show because he looked at some Nielsen ranks yeah. and said, make the show more like The Simpsons, add Elmira to it. Yeah, but he killed cartoons on a network that had only just started showing cartoons. Why can't they or, blame this man, Neil? I, I, there's a lot to blame him for, but I, <laughs> it, I see. I, I have a hard time counting Kids WB just because it was such a late comer. It was like by the time it showed up, cartoons on Saturday morning was already dying. But they were they were like a beacon of light. They were our last hope. Yeah, that and, network was our last hope, and there and was that, no there was not another. No, yeah. I, I I think that by that time, I mean, because the big hoorah around Saturday morning ended in the 80s. Um, it really again, did. And it, it was just a slow decline until it finally lurched into a coma. And uh, it's, it isn't quite dead yet. Like I said, I mean, I'm glad to see The Hub making Saturday morning a an event. And with quality shows that can be watched by both kids and adults. And that's what that's what the industry needs is more is more shows that aren't playing down to the kiddies and and like I said I think that part of this might also be when you have those you know Nickelodeon has good stuff and they're actually putting it head to head against the the other networks programming and we're and they're actually getting good results I think that that's part of it too yeah well I mean a lot of it uh, again um, I point back towards the seventies where. Saturday morning used to be, I mean, look at some of the adventures that you had with Scooby-Doo and Simple. You had some of the things that happened in the Flintstones, which was primetime, but still a quote cartoon. Then you had the 70s where it became, like I said, the Dr. Spock era, where it was all about touchy-feely, where there was no conflict, where everybody got along, except for you know, maybe a misguided word, that a misunderstanding every once in a while. I mean, you didn't have Tom and Jerry trying to beat the brains out of each other. You that was that was actually the era of Tom and that was actually the area era of Tom and Jerry cartoons where they were buddies. Yeah, and uh, I'll let Neil explain why that's wrong. <laughs> well, 
for the very reason that Tom just said it, it when you take all the conflict out of it, there's not much reason to watch. I mean, the, if you see the, Jerry with a bow tie, change the channel. Well, that also counts uh, Tom and Jerry kids. So yes, I agree. Um, <laughs> it was the era, it was the era of the of the where the the beating the hell out of each other was gone, and you had like one character in the cartoon who was you know having a bad day and discovered kleptomania and tried to give it a try and was gradually shouted down over the course of a 22 minute episode and um you know this it was a dark time and it was a hard time finding cartoons that weren't that yeah i mean we we still have the remnants of some of the cartoon greatness of the past we have rocky and bullwinkle we have fractured fairy tales uh, we can look back at some things like Stingray with the uh, Super Marion Nation. Um, we can look at the reruns, which they've attempted to try to do again, of the Banana Splits, but with a more modern vibe. Oh, God. Why would you do that? Ask Cartoon Network. I don't ask them anything anymore because yeah. they they decided Hole in the Wall was a primetime show. <laughs> I'm sorry, and, I'm going to really keep on harping on that. That was stupid. That was really, really stupid. Well, that's, that's to be blamed on Disney Channel and Nickelodeon as well, because they started that whole shit of the, uh, the, the teenage sitcom that goes all the way back to uh, Clarissa Explains It All. And it, it goes it, back to Saved by the Bell, which also showed up on? On Saturday morning on NBC, and that was Boom! a total violation. I'm like, what the hell is this doing here? Like, I would almost rather have Saturday morning end and have, like, the sports programs coming on. What's this What's this teen sitcom crap doing here? That show well, see, was... I, mean, I felt the same way back in the late 80s when they had Pee Wee Herman. I mean, uh, Pee Wee Herman originally... Uh, my God, he was certainly not a kids-oriented thing. Uh, I mean, that character made appearances in Cheech and Chong movies, for heaven's sake. Not just the actor, the character... And then right, the, and the actually the movie the, the the movie which started his career as a children's entertainer is a lot more adult than you'd think it is. Yeah, the first Pee Wee Herman movie is pretty dark. There's only one oh, yeah. Pee Wee Herman movie. <laughs> the rest don't count. <laughs> there is no other Pee Wee Herman movie. <laughs> but Saturday like the, morning, I mean, certainly gives us a look at the change in the mores and customs of American television and American society uh, with the way that it progressed, regressed, and digressed over the years. In coma. But yeah, it's... You know, like I said, I remember there was this time when the same network that did uh, Saved by the Bell, NBC, Neil? Yes. Did like four of those exact tapes, exact type of shows like in a row in a new Saturday lineup, like they did one about like college life and it, it was a quagmire. It was just bad. I remember and, the guys next door. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was one of them. And it was like, they were doing this competing against the other network still showing cartoons. And then the next year, like half of those shows were gone. Yep. Well, it happens that way. I mean, there were, I, cause I'm not going to diss live action. I'll just the uh, content. Yeah, where it was obvious pandering to the tween crowd. But, I mean, we had things like um, Space Academy and Jason of Star Command, uh, the first, uh, which is basically the same show, just a different aspect to it. Uh, the first being hosted, uh, being starring Jonathan Harris, Dr. Smith from Lost in Space. Uh, Jason of Star Command, one of the stars on it was uh, the late, great uh, Jimmy Doohan. Uh, we had... One of those things that should always be remembered, uh, J.M. Straczynski's first great success that didn't last more than a season, Captain Power and the Soldiers of Future. Granted, it was another toy tie-in, but it really was the first place that Straczynski got to show a lot of the talent and plans that he had for science fiction. Captain Power. Was that the one that was like Centurions but live action? Yes, it was. Well, no, Centurions was like Captain Power. Captain Power was much better written. And you actually had a villain that uh, was menacing. It was better than Power Rangers, I'll give it that. Anything is better than Power Rangers. <laughs> I was one of those that kept saying, go, go, Power Rangers. Just go away. <laughs> it won't die. <laughs> it won't. Oh, 
they're still making it. Uh, and they take it so damn seriously. Oh. No, they do. I know. I, I know. I know. People on Blip keep reviewing it. Anyways. Shots fired. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, the, 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 very slowly making it. One a year, if that. But anyways, it's... Uh, the the death of Saturday morning is something that that does bother me because that was like the highlight of this is this is where the this is where you go to just like binge on cartoons if you're a kid and and you, you're guaranteed at least uh, four hours of entertainment and I love that and <laughs> but you know in spite of it all I think the the gradual death of Saturday morning was inevitable just because of the changing medium, the fact that you no longer have to worry about missing an episode anymore. You can just usually catch it online. That meant that getting up and sitting down with your bowl of uh, fruity pebbles was no longer a requirement. You could sleep in if you want to. And it really, it really, it really depresses me when I see my, my sister's kids and Saturday morning means nothing to them. (laughs) It does yeah. depress me because it was like it was like a piece of uh, a slice of Americana, and uh, and other things I remember is is when they tried primetime cartoons, you know, Friday night primetime cartoons is a little tangent. I remember when Fox tried that a couple times, and every time they tried it, it failed. It's because they kept trying it with X Men. You're right, but there was another thing that that, that I think it was actually Warner Brothers tried once too, which was worse than X Men. What the debut of the Tiny Toons? No, no, it's uh, Invasion America. Okay. Oh, you, the, you okay. don't remember this? Yeah, do I remember this. Yeah. It, it's, well, that makes one of us. <laughs> it uh, took me a minute. It uh, it actually had some pretty good names in it. Uh, you know, Invasion America. It had that. It was a. It was. It was a multi-part. Uh, multi-part uh, miniseries you know in like the stand but it was an animated that's, thing that's usually what a miniseries is yeah <laughs> well i was i was comparing it to the stand but you know I'm, I'm looking at this i mean at some of the stuff that they've got in there yeah they had some talent in there our bennett was part of that I know that's um, why, that's why I said there's some good names in here. It's on, just... the, on the good side they've got Harv Bennett, they've got Leonard Nimoy, they've got Tony Jay. On the bad side they've got Christy McNichol and Lorenzo Lamas. <laughs> <laughs> Lorenzo Lamas redeemed himself with what? Meep? No, no. In in the Joe Schmo show. I don't think so. It, um, Neil, crazy. did he redeem himself? I don't know if he redeemed himself, but he was pretty darn entertaining in that. <laughs> It's one of those things that shows that America, I mean, I don't think it's anywhere near the point where they've grown up about it, where animation is a viable media for telling a story. They're going to look at it as cartoons. Even the popular the stuff that's on nightly TV, uh, well, uh, on night TV, I should say. You know, we've gone from The Flintstones, which was the first primetime cartoon, to The Simpsons, to... Family Guy to yeah. Seth MacFarlane domination. Yeah, but yeah. but back to back to Invasion America, which which we will do an episode on eventually if I can actually you know strap Neil down to the chair and uh, and and keep his drop, eyeballs drop, open. Yeah, drop the eye drop for into my yeah. eyes. Yes, it's it, it the animation is not very good. the The story is familiar. I'll never be uh, able to listen to the ninth again. They do not play the ninth in it. It's okay. it's mostly. This, let me put it this way: DreamWorks owns the rights to it now. I don't know how that shuffling went around. Um, and they never released a VHS ever Someone or or DVD. Somebody. Yeah, it's 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 like it's in the vault, and they and they have a fat guy sitting on the vault door. So. So there's never going to be a release. I'm kind of okay with that because it's not that great. It was like, this is our shot. This this is going to – I'm not saying that this is what Harv Bennett said because I don't think Harv Bennett has this kind of ego. But you can almost feel like someone in the room went like, yeah, this is going to be our Akira, man. This is going to be it. And then 
you get Invasion of America. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I don't think Harv Bennett said those words, but I think someone else in the room did, whose name starts with Steven and ends with a Spielberg. <laughs> Not naming any names. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's... Uh, uh, yeah, Fox did try to show X-Men on primetime. You know what the problem is when they when they did it, Neil? Uh, anyone with adult eyes could see that it was crap. <laughs> well, that, but it was also when they stopped using ACOM and used Hanna-Barbera instead. <laughs> oh, what was that studio that Hanna-Barbera started using? I can never remember. It was... Uh... Are you talking about unnamed Filipino studio? It was sort of unnamed, but I do know the name of it, and it's just escaping me at the moment. Because, because actually, there is an unnamed Filipino studio that everyone was who was cheap was using back then. Yeah, it's like there are like ten episodes of Transformers in season two that go, went to some studio because they're only crediting Toei for like thirty of them, so nobody knows what what those. No one's really sure which episodes they are and what studio did them. Hmm. We might have to crack that case sometime. I think we tried to crack it before and we failed. I thought we agreed it was Sunrise. That was for that one weird episode in Season 3 where suddenly the animation was way up. Yeah. For a single episode, then it went right back down again. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, there were, there were attempts to in the 90s to, you know, age up cartoons. And, and other than The Simpsons, which was good back then, there was really no magic bullet. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, they had gone through and tried, uh, I think it was Fox that did things like Gilbert and uh, Baby Blues, uh, taking from yes, popular they did. Syndication, uh, syndicated strips in the, from the paper at the time. Actually, actually they, they tried they tried that multiple times. I remember once they did, they made a big deal about it. They did a Blondie cartoon yeah. in the 90s, and there was only the pilot. And once you see the pilot, you'll understand why there's only a pilot. Yeah, the pilot bailed out. Yeah, yeah. I I I still can't believe that there's a, there's actually a '90s Blondie cartoon. There was a Hagar the Harrible cartoon that, that like aired in the same experimental pilot block. Yeah, yeah. and that did just as good. And uh, there was a Mother Goose and Grimm cartoon. Yes, there was. And, and I don't remember that one lasting too long. No, that one lasted like a a half season. Because, because that's not too long. Because if there was, well, that lasted longer than the others. They were mercy but, killings. Yeah, Baby Blues lasted far longer than it should have. Well, it's because uh, Adult Swim wouldn't let it die. But Baby Blues was just not good animated. Wasn't really a Wait, good. Comic. You were expecting something good animated on Cartoon Network. Okay, point taken. Yeah. But uh, but there were just so many so many better comic strips to just attempt something with than Baby Blues. It's like one of my favorite strips that would not translate well to animation because the art style is just so good. Is uh, Roses Rose is one of my favorite comic strips. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. If any it's, comic strip is the successor to Calvin and Hobbes, I think that is. I love Roses Rose. I, I do. I, I really, really do. And, uh, I, Tom, are you familiar with Roses Rose? Yes, I am. Um, it's okay. I, I, I really haven't gone much to uh, newspaper strips for a long time. Uh, when there's such better quality on the web nowadays. That is comes, true. That, that That is true. And I didn't see MX.com. And, uh, I did for you, Tom. And uh, well, I wasn't just talking about nine ten stuff. I was talking because there are some real quality things out there uh, on the web, and it, we're seeing the death of, as much as they say, the syndication. Well, we're seeing the transition of the syndicated strips uh, from newspapers to other forms. Now, just like Saturday morning. Yes. Bring us back to our topic. <laughs> yes, yes, it is, and it's just it is it's crestfallen. Uh, it's heartbreaking seeing what was such a big part of our lives as kids uh, for anybody who grew up in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, uh, even with all the changes to what's happened to it. I mean, everybody who watched cartoons during those four decades uh, will finally remember 
Saturday morning cartoons, except for the idiots that try to ban things because they don't like the way that it is. But but so. overall, overall, I will say that Saturday morning, yeah, it's a part of it. You know, there's many different parts of the formula of why it went away. Part of it is is the uh, network executives involved. Part of it is is changing tastes. Part of it is is definitely animation is getting <laughs> a little bit more. A little accepted. more accepted in America now versus versus 10, 20 years ago. So all, all these things are contributing to a very different animation landscape than we've than we've expected. And well, we can also look at things like uh, because one of the major things that contributed to it because um, I can talk about the Doctor Spock syndrome all I want. Well, that be that would be illogical. Yeah, not Doc, Mister Doctor Spock. Uh, but I, he was a scientist. I can also point towards. Remember that the FCC regulated that there must be X amount of educational programming. Yes. And on on broadcast stations every week. And they got around a lot of that by saying things like Muppet Babies and Smurfs were educational. They did. Yeah. They did. I mean, because they taught you how to deal with your feelings and things like that. And it was. It was a way of skirting actually having something good uh, with cheap schlock that they were going to show anyway. I did enjoy Muppet Babies growing up, but uh, there were there were lots of mercy killings on Saturday morning in the 90s. Uh, there was a very, very, very gracefully short-lived uh, Wizard of Oz cartoon. Not short enough. It didn't even last a year, Neil. Still too long. <laughs> Who produced that, Deke? Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Deke. <laughs> I, I mean, okay, they sort of got off on the right foot with like with like the Littles and and some of the better video game cartoons such as uh, Pole Position, which was okay as if I remember correctly. But then they did they did the soup the Adventures of Super Mario Brothers three and and Captain N, which come on, <laughs> some of the worst cartoons. And then, you know, Car- uh, Captain N was actually animated okay. So for the third season, they decided to go like bargain basement and just destroyed that cartoon. <laughs> mega this, mega that. Anyways, uh, mega oh, for- high. Yes. Anyways, I'm sure that uh, everyone here that is old enough to remember Saturday morning as the cartoon beacon of the week is too sad, is as well, I should say, sad of the passing of Saturday morning. So so, uh, this, so this is your, our examination of Saturday morning. Uh, this is yours, Ben. With TV's Mr. Neal. And from 910 Comics, I'm Thomas Rivore, 910cmx.com. We're saying goodnight! Bye. See you in the funny papers.